Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week five of our current series, Frequency. The title of today's message is Recognizing the Voice of God. We hope you enjoy the word. Oh, man. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? It is a true pleasure to be amongst you. Uh, just getting back from the men's camp out, and, you know, it was amazing. It's always a good thing to connect with people and build relationships, but I'll tell you that at the core of everything that we did, the central focus was the Word of God. There's nothing that makes anyone stronger and more equipped for life than God and His Word, which kind of ties into what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've been on a series entitled Frequency, and what we've been talking about is that you and I can tune into the voice of God, that you can hear God. Now, I know for some of us, that's foreign. That sounds like, well, I've never heard God. But let's consider what the scriptures have to say. Just as a recap, Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4 puts it this way. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that the issue isn't if God speaks. The issue is if we actually take interest to listen. To listen. Because God is making himself known. God is making himself known. He's always speaking. Have you been listening? I love the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, just as review in verse 4, where he says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes out ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Question, have you ever been in a place, maybe for you who, who have been seeking God, or maybe you tried God at one point, only to end up in frustration and with questions and doubts? The key is this. Notice that the scripture says, Jesus says himself, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. You can't follow after God. You can't follow after the wisdom of God. You can't follow the plan that God has for your life if you are not familiar with his voice. If you're not attuned to when God is speaking. And so today, as we continue upon this series, I'd like to talk to you about recognizing the voice of God. Recognizing the voice of God. You ever been in the midst of a crowd and you hear a voice that sounds familiar? You ever been you been one of those situations? A while back, uh, earlier this summer, uh, uh, my sister-in-law blessed me and my wife. She, she surprised us with tickets and we went as a family, a few of us, uh, down to the city to a Hillsong conference at uh, Madison Square Garden. And if you've ever been in the garden... When it's packed, here's what, you, here's what you know, it gets loud. And in the midst of all that noise, I hear a voice that goes, Oh my God, is that who I think it is? Oh my God, it's been so many years. And there's a whole concert going on. There's confetti being blown all around. And I go, who is, I know that voice. Let me, let me encourage you with a thought here. That despite the noise all around you, you and I have the ability to recognize the voice of God, listen, if we're familiar with him by relationship. 
That person that I heard was a young lady who is now a young woman, was one of our kids when I was a youth pastor, and uh, man, she was loud and proud. That didn't change. When you can go above 100 decibels in the midst of a concert, yeah, you're loud. But it wasn't the loudness of a voice. It was the familiarity that I had with the person. Think about that. Think about that. And so we're talking about recognizing the voice of God. And life is a lot like this example. We all have many things going on in our lives, things that compete for our attention, things that reign supreme in our heart and are loud in our understanding and in our hearing. But in the midst of them, God speaks. And God speaks to you. So why is it that we can't always recognize the voice of God? I am so glad that you asked that question this morning. I really am. Because I was really going right there. So thank you for asking that. You helped me transition right into this point. Let's see what the scriptures say in John 15. I want you to turn there. Um, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and actually turn there. I know, you know, we like to look at the screen and all that. And that's fine if that's your flavor, that's your cup of tea. But I want you to really consider what the scriptures say. Now, the book of John 15, just to preface the point that we're going to make here, it, it highlights relationship with God. It highlights his relationship to us. And it also highlights the results of this relationship. Uh, in, your own, uh, in your own time, I want you to go back to John 15 if you, if you could. And what you'll see is that in verse 2, Jesus tells us that our relationship with him leads to fruit and more fruit. In verses 5 through 8, Jesus says that relationship with him leads to much fruit. And then in verse 16, it tells us that it ultimately leads to fruit that lasts. And so what it illustrates to us is the intent that God has in speaking to us and relating to us. And in us, learning to relate to him and depend upon him. God wants you not just to be fruitful where you are. He wants you to abound in fruit and he wants it to last. He wants it to be sustainable. He wants his power and his knowledge and his wisdom and his help and his voice to reign supreme in your life. But you see, in... John 15, Jesus not only tells us that we need God, he tells us why we need God, and he tells us how to access that need. Consider John 15, verses 7 through 11. It starts off by saying, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. I like the Amplified because it, it digs in and, and, and it alludes to the, the intent of the original language. It says, that is, that if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Listen closely. I have told you these things. I have told you these things. I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you. Notice that joy and delight comes out of what? He says to you. And that your joy may be 
made full and complete and overflowing. Who doesn't want that life? I know I do. I know I do. I know every one of us want that. See, we're all pursuing something. But if it's not fulfilling you, and if it's not causing your life to overflow, then I submit to you that it's not what you need. See, from these verses, we see that hearing from God requires that we understand and perceive his relationship to us. But more importantly, it's what remains with us from what he's said. Let me explain. For most people of faith today, we express and we feel that we are children of God. We express and we feel that we're loved by God. Man, we serve God. We serve in our church. We serve our neighbor. We do kind acts. We go out of our way. And all those things are important and appropriate and necessary. But in these verses, what we see is that our relationship to Christ is more than just about what we do, what we feel, and what we say. It's about what remains as a result of what he speaks to you and I. Leads me to my first point, which is simply this, that we recognize God's voice by what we retain, not what we hear. Let's leave that point up. I want you to consider what we're saying here. You know, it's one thing to listen to teachings about God, to spend time reading the Bible or checking out a podcast on faith. It's an entirely different thing to retain it. Jesus says, my words must remain in you. And he, he, he correlates that to the branch that depends upon the vine. And as a result, it is fruitful. See, you and I need the voice of God. You and I need to know the, the, the truth that God has for us. God hasn't called you and I to hear the truth. He's called you and I to retain the truth. Because when you retain the truth, you become familiar with the truth. And so when you're in need of truth and you hear the truth, you recognize that God's voice is speaking to you and you succeed and you excel and you abound, not just with some fruit, not just with more fruit, not just with much fruit, but fruit that lasts. But it's all tied to an ability to listen and recognize his voice. His voice. See, if you're exposing yourself to teachings and the study of God's word, but you are no more convinced than when you first were, when you started reading and started listening and started attending church, if you're no more convinced than when you first started, then I submit to you that his word is not remaining in you. You're not retaining it. And according to what the scriptures say, you and I certainly aren't remaining in him. See, this word is meant to do something in our lives. It's not superficial. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. Alive and active. How many of you go and hang out in the cemetery on a regular basis? 
How many of you are interested in walking around life with a corpse? I want you to see that God has not given you a word empty of life. God's wisdom, God's truth, God's purposes, God's promises, God's plans, the word of God is alive and it also acts. And watch how it acts in your life and mine. It's, it, the, the Holy Spirit likens it to a sword. It says that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The scriptures here are revealing this, that God's word is so powerful, so alive, and so active that it penetrates to the dividing between what you think, that's your soul, and your spirit, who you really are in Christ, and who God really created you to be if you don't know him. The Word of God clarifies if this is my thought versus truth, if this is my intent versus God in, God's intent, if this is my desire versus God's desire. And it even can touch the deepest part of your body. It can heal you physically. God says in his word that he sent his word and it healed them. And so consider the power of the depth to which God's word goes. It says in verse 12 that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It literally shows us, hey, what's going on right in here? What's going on right in here? It says, everything, in verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Let me translate that for you. God sees everything, right? But watch this. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So God sees it all. But you know what's, you know what's even, what's just as powerful to understand about this? That God sees it all, but you and I need God's word to see what he sees. You and I need God's word to understand what he's saying. Because only that can clarify unto us what we're lacking in our understanding and what we're lacking in our physical bodies. See, God isn't speaking to you superficially. His words are intended to penetrate your mind and your spirit in the deepest part of your physical body. He's that personal. But once we see what the Word of God exposes, it's up to you and I to allow the surgery to continue. It's up to you and I to go deeper with the Word of God because His Word goes deep. And so if you want to know what God is saying to you, make room for it to enter into your life. It stands to reason that if God uses his word, and he sees us according to his word and relates to us by it, it stands to reason that we can only recognize his voice and know his plans by his word, by the word of God. And so the Bible talks about a man named Joshua. And this guy Joshua was known, and the Bible reveals that he recognized the voice of God. He could pick up on God's leading. So can you. But it requires that we lean in, that we tune in, that we turn the noise down in some areas in our lives, and that we listen as opposed to just hear about God. And Joshua, this guy Joshua was a man of war. 
he grew up under the leadership of another guy named Moses. He witnessed God do miraculous things, deliver the people of Israel in ways that were unheard of. Time and time again, he saw the faithfulness of God, the power of God. He was exposed to the voice of God. And even over 40 years of walking around in circles on a journey that was supposed to take two weeks and instead took 40 years, he saw the goodness of God. This guy had experience with God. But the reason why Joshua could recognize God's voice is because Joshua knew God because Joshua knew God's voice. Listen closely to what I just said. Joshua knew God because Joshua became familiar with his voice. There's a lot in that. The book of Numbers, and we're not going to go to that story today, but in the book of Numbers, I believe it's 13 and on, the Bible says that Moses gathers up leaders from from the 12 tribes of Israel, and he says to them, hey, guys, pack your bags. I want you to go to this land called Canaan, which is the land of promise. Moses tells him this. He says, go over there and spy out the land. Go see that it's good. Bring back a report. And these guys go, and they encounter the the miraculous. They see fruit that is huge. They, they see land that flows with milk and honey. It's prosperous. And these guys all come back and they say, it's true. It really is good. But 10 of them go, but there's giants there. And they're going to kill us. Man, we're not, just like gra- we're not just grasshoppers in their sight. We're grasshoppers in our own sight. And you know what Joshua does with another guy named Caleb? He goes, shut up. Cállate la boca. Feme la bouche. He says, silence. He says, we are well able to do what God said. So this guy had experience in hearing the voice of God, in inculcating the voice of God into his practice, in trusting it. But you know where that all started? I alluded to this verse in context, in another context a couple of weeks back. But in Exodus 33, 9 and 11, here's what we see. It says that as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. So what's happening here? Back in those days, God would show up and he would speak with Moses. He'd say, Moses, I need to speak to you. And Moses would come to a tent of tabernacle. It was set up in a specific way that was a foreshadow of heaven and what God would do and how he would relate to men. And so when God would be in this tent and Moses would go speak to God, a cloud would descend over this, this tent. And the people of God, all Israel, would recognize Moses is speaking to God. Ooh. And God is speaking to him. Ooh. And so they would all come out of their tents and they would stand in front of their tents and watch what they would do. It says, whenever the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. So they were interested in seeing what was happening when God was speaking to Moses. But watch what Joshua was interested in. Verse 11 the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. 
Don't miss this point. Since his early days as Moses' assistant, Joshua was not content with just hearing what God had to say to Moses. To him, it was necessary to remain there. While everybody went about their business and their priorities, and Moses went back to teaching the people and judging the people and doing all these things, Joshua says, I'm not leaving this place. I need what's here. Let me give you a piece of advice. Whatever that looks like for you, where you are positioned and intimate and you're drawing near to God and you're receiving instruction from God and you're gleaning wisdom from God and you're growing, stay there. Remain there. Remain there. Listen, for me, it's 5 o'clock in the morning with two dogs laying at my feet and a cup of coffee on the deck and, and the word. And I will talk through the word. But for me, see, I have to see it like a movie. So when I read, if I can't see it, I can't get it. So I have to get up close and personal and make sure that nobody's around. Femme la bouche. I got to hear. I got to see, I got to experience it. When I read that Joshua went against the enemies, you know what I say? When Jose went against the enemies because God said. When there's a woman on her knees being condemned and, and held, uh, uh, judged by all people and they're asking Jesus, hey, what do you say? The law says we should stone her for being in adultery. And Jesus says, well, whichever one of you is Without sin, be the first one to cast stone. You know what I hear when Jesus tells her, where are your accusers? And she says, there's none, Lord. And he says, well, neither do I accuse you. You know what I realize? That God's not accusing me. That God's not condemning me. That God's not tearing me down. So wherever you, whatever works for you, Man, it can be running, it can be in the car, it can be in a quiet space, it can be late at night, early in the morning, whatever works for you. Stay there. Stay there. See, Joshua remained in the place where God was present and the voice of God was loudest. Where he heard it, but more than heard it, where he retained it, he listened. And so... The book of Joshua, chapter 10, tells us of a time where Joshua is off to a battle and he recognizes the voice of God. Turn there with me, if you would, to Joshua chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. It starts off in verse 1 by saying, Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it. Doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. And that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. So what's happening here? This king, Adonai Zedek, hears about the reputation. He's familiar with the reputation of this guy, Joshua. This guy is winning battles left and right. And now he's made an alliance with these people, the Gibeonites. He doesn't like it. Listen closely. Verse 2. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city. 
like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So he had an interest in taking over this place. And so Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, the king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, and Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. And he said, come up and help me attack Gibeon. Because, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So he's looking to entice a battle here. He's, he's looking to draw Joshua and the Israelites into something. And so it says, Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. And they moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon, and they attacked it. And the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up, quick, come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. And so Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to the Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Maccadee. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Now watch this. Here it gets real interesting. Verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon. And you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now, before we dig into this, I want to clarify something from verse 14. Recognize that that statement in verse 14 is being made up until that point. You and I have a much better experience. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus says, it's better that I leave you so that the comforter comes and he'll lead you into all truth. He'll teach you things to come. He'll remind you of the words that I've given to you. And he'll only speak from the Father. In other words, in those days, this was amazing. But what's even more amazing is that God is so near that he speaks to you always. Always. So let's take it. Come on, you could do better than that, man. So watch this. At this point in life, Joshua's no longer in the role of an assistant to Moses. He's the lead. He's the man that God has appointed 
in leadership over the people of Israel. And up until this point from what we read, Joshua has experienced much success on the field of battle and as the leader of the people. So great was his success that the nations all around them trembled just to hear that Israel was was on its way. They would amass together in an attempt to defeat them. And they lost all the time. And so great was his success that these people knew that Joshua wasn't just anybody. Joshua was God's appointed man, and Joshua heard God. And so what we see is that their enemies band together in an effort to provoke Israel into a battle and to destroy their allies, the Gibeonites. And when Joshua hears of this, as we read, he immediately gathers up his armies and heads to the Gibeonites' defense. He gathers his best soldiers in addition to all his armies, and he says, we're going to war. Now, you've got to picture what's going on here. Because if you study the Bible, what you'll see is that any time the people of Israel would go to war, they would lead with the Levitical tribe. That was the priesthood. And this priesthood would go ahead of them, and they'd be blowing these huge ram's horns, these shofars, and they'd be singing these songs of praises, and they'd be playing lyres and harps and all types of instrumentation. And these people would go ahead, and in addition to that, thousands upon thousands of men were marching, and the floor trembled, and it sounded like thunder as they marched into battle. And these songs of praise were declared, and people would hear this. And so Joshua's in the midst of all this and the men are excited and they're shouting God is for us we can do this we're gonna win and Joshua's in the midst of all this and he hears God above all that noise Joshua hears a clear message and recognizes that it's from God he says do not be afraid of them I've given them into your hand not one of them will be able to withstand you The Bible goes on to tell us that Joshua didn't just stop at recognizing the voice of God. He acted on it. And he had a great victory. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. But we learn a couple of things from Joshua in this experience and from his life. I want you to lean in real close to this next point. To the extent that you have heard God, you will hear God. Stop right there. Hear what I'm saying. God speaks according to his word. God speaks consistent with his nature. God speaks, his voice is according to his purposes. And God speaks according to his promises. Okay? So, let me put it to you this way. I got into a car accident and God God facilitated this whole situation so that I wouldn't end up, so that he could teach me a lesson and something else wouldn't happen. That is inconsistent with the goodness of God. It's not consistent. Well, what about the Old Testament, Pastor? You know, the Bible says that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. What does that mean? We're rightly to divide between the way it was under the law, and how we now relate to God after the law, which is in Christ. What you saw in the book of Jonah is not how God relates to you today. 
If you believe this sickness is part of God's plan for my life, because after all, he knows it all. Tell me something. How is it that that sickness that you believe is from God is inconsistent with what the word of God says, where he says, beloved, I pray that you be in health and and, and that you prosper in all things. How is it that we can believe that sickness and disease is part of God's plan for our life when he gave Jesus Christ and he declared that by his stripes you were healed? It's inconsistent with his word. It's inconsistent with his nature. It's inconsistent with his, with his promises. It's inconsistent. It doesn't match up. Now, Remember the point, to the extent that you've heard God, you will hear God. So therefore, it stands to reason that to the extent that we become familiar with God's word, God's nature, God's purposes, and God's promises, to that extent, we will have the ability, the capacity to recognize the voice of God. How much coffee do you think... Somebody help me here, please, because really, I've been trying to figure this out. How much coffee do you believe I can get into this 10-ounce cup? 10 ounces, right? 10 ounces, right? So if I want more than 10 ounces, right, there's a couple of things I could do. I could keep refilling it, right? Or I can get a bigger cup. Let me explain to you something. When we begin to familiarize ourselves with the voice of God, with the truth of God, with what his word says and what it reveals about his nature and what it tells us about his purposes and what it tells us about the promises that he has for us. What begins to happen is this. It begins to stretch us. I prove it to you. I believe this part and man, I I claim it. I believe it. I receive it. I name it. It's mine. I'm blessed and highly favored, deeply loved. But I got to give up that relationship? I got to stop doing this part in my life? I don't like that. You know what you're doing at that point? You're limiting your cup. Listen, to the extent that we are stretched in capacity by the truth of God's word, to that extent we can receive more and recognize more clearly the voice of God. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what we're talking about here? See, you can't go anywhere in faith if you have not seen it and experienced it first in God's word. You can't go there. Everybody wants the promises of God. But to to access the promises of God, which are already yours, we have to know his voice. We have to know his voice. We cannot look to people to tell us what God is saying to us personally. There's some things I might share today that speak to you at your core, but watch what it does. It points you back to this point. I need to hear God for myself because God's got something to say to me. And so the words that Joshua heard were not new to him. They were powerful. Now, remember the point. To the extent that you've heard God, you will hear God. So 
Listen, the reason why these words were so impactful and Joshua was able to recognize the voice of God in this instance above the noise and the crowd and everything else is because Joshua had heard God speak these words before. And they continued to be a source of truth and strength throughout his life. In Joshua 1, 8, and 9, when he's first starting his career, now as the lead, as the man of God, when he's responding to the call, God says to him, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. In other words, listen, you keep this word so close to you that it impacts the way you speak. You keep this word so close to you. you. You incorporate it so much into your life that all you can do is see everything and imagine your future and approach situations according to what this word says. See, that's what meditating on it day and night is. But he tells him why. He says, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Listen closely. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Watch Joshua 8.1. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you fight. Listen to Joshua 10.8. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will withstand you. Listen to Joshua 11.6. Do not be afraid of them because by this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. Joshua had heard God speak, and it was so familiar in his hearing. It, it was so repetitive in his heart. It was so ingrained. He had retained it to such an extent that when God spoke, he says, I got this. So to the extent that you have heard God, to that extent, you'll hear God. Get a bigger cup. Tell somebody, get a bigger cup. Tell somebody else, I need a bigger cup. We all do. Me too. See, the reason why Joshua could hear God and recognize his voice despite the noise around him was because he developed the capacity He stretched when God spoke. You know, it takes something to do what God says when it looks impossible and you're afraid. Newsflash. You know why God told him, do not be afraid? Because he was. You know why he told him, don't be discouraged? Because he was. Well, something else we see here is that God's voice will always help you, not hurt you. Listen, Joshua, like every one of us, was facing a battle. And in the midst of these battles, Joshua's experience and yours, whether you're aware of it or not, is that God speaks. God speaks. But there are distinguishing characteristics to recognizing when God is speaking to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 puts it this way. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Here's what it simply means. Everything you read in God's word, God inspired it. God is the author. He used men 
but he placed it upon their heart. He taught them these truths. They walked through these truths. And so God is speaking. And watch the benefits of God speaking and you and I listening to his voice. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be, and the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So get this. We got to understand what the Bible is talking about when it says doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. When the Bible here talks about we can recognize the voice of God and it profits us. Notice what it does. It profits us. It completes us. It equips us. But watch how it happens. The first thing it does is by doctrine. That word doctrine simply means this. God's truth and his precepts. That is not the doctrine that another church adopted. It's not what we believe to be true about God's word. It's what God's word says is the truth. Right? So it happens by God's truth. The word reproof there speaks of evidence that we're giving so that we can test it. In other words, God's word, the truth in God's word, the inspired word of God, the, the word that God is speaking to you even right now at this moment, it's meant to equip you with something so that you can test it and see for yourself that it works. So it reproves us. Then the Bible says a word that many of us feel is a dirty word. It corrects us. And you know what some of us think? Papao. Te voy a dar una pela, mijo. Right? You've been a bad, bad boy. Bad little Christian. Let me teach you something about that word correction there in the Greek. Literally, what it means is the restoration to an upright state by way of improvement. So, when we understand correction from our experience growing up, when we were corrected, well, when I was corrected, I can't speak for you. When I was corrected, I was told how bad I was. I was told how big of a mistake I had made. I was told how wrong I was. This word correction here is not what we've experienced growing up if you understand it that way. Because the correction of God doesn't focus on where you've gone wrong. It tells you what's right about you. For those of you that want to do this, I don't recommend it, that have children, every day tell them how bad they are. Tell them how wrong they are. Tell them how ugly they are. Tell them how dumb they are. Tell them that they're stupid. And you tell that child that and show me how it leads to correction. Why would God correct you by pointing you to sin when he's already delivered you from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ? Two people got that. 
Two people got that. No, no, I'm not asking you to clap. I'm asking you to hear the voice of God. And that word instruction in righteousness is simply this. It's instruction, it's education into that which is right, good, and holy. In other words, this is the right way. It's like the north on a compass. It never lies. It always tells you just go this way. Because as long as you follow that, you won't go wrong. You won't want to go wrong because you're discovering that you always end up in the right place at the right time because you're trusting God. Now, I got I to gotta share something with you as we're wrapping up here to this point about God's voice always helping us, not hurting us. And, and I hope you see that, that God's word is truly to help you. It's for the purpose of helping you. So if you think that God is giving you pow pow and he's telling you how bad you are, just recognize that the scripture says that there's only one who accuses the brethren, and that's Satan. That's Satan. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of Satan. Whenever you feel condemned, whenever you feel put down, whenever you say, oh, God, God, is, God is correcting me. Well, if God's correcting you, he's pointing you to the truth about who you are now in Christ, not who you were or what you've done. But I got to address this point because I'm one of those guys, that I believe what the word says. I believe it, and I, and I seek it. And the scripture says that there are gifts in the body, one of them being prophets. Some of you are more familiar with that than others. A prophet is simply someone who is given direct uh, 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 insight, not for their purposes, but something that God wants to say to you. I'm going to tell you something about your pastor, for those of you that call me pastor here at Church at the Bridge. I believe the word of God, but I measure everything against the word. So when prophet such and such shows up and everybody goes, ooh, prophet such and such is here. I'm not doubting, but I'm listening and I'm testing and I'm measuring. I'm not being moved by my emotions. Listen to how you know when God is speaking through a prophet. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and comfort. Nowhere in there does it tell us that the prophet calls you out on your dirt. Shames you or embarrasses you. I grew up in that church, by the way. And every week we went to the whipping post. You know what the whipping post was? The altar. And we cried our eyes out. And we begged God for forgiveness. But the scripture says this, that love covers a multitude of sin. God's love covers a multitude of sin. So God will not speak through a prophet to discourage you, to beat you down, to call you out, to shame you. To expose you? No. He speaks directly to you. True story, funny story. I'll I'll go through it real quick. I wasn't planning to, but it kind of worked out that way. I've been doing this for a long time. But I didn't always believe that this was my call. I didn't believe that this is what God had for me. So there was a time where we were going to church and we were very involved in church. We still live in the city. This is many years ago. 
And I was involved in everything. I wanted to, not because I had to, I just wanted to. I just loved God, and I loved being around his people, and I loved, you know, seeing God do things. And so I was excited. So I wanted to be everywhere at every, all the time. I couldn't do that all the time, but I was involved. I was connected. I was growing. I was in groups. I was at church. I served. I did all that. But, but it wasn't because I felt like I owed God anything. It's because I loved God, and I just, I just wanted to do it. And so I would find myself with this statement often from people that didn't even know me and people that knew me. And they'd say, man, you know, I believe you're called to ministry, man. I believe that God is going to have you pastor people and, and, and do all these things. And, I, and you know what I would do? Yeah, I'm going to pray about that one. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I wasn't praying. And I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. You know, you know what came to my mind when people tell me that? Oh, you don't know me. You, you don't know my history. You don't know my mistakes. You don't know these wayward thoughts in my brain. You don't understand the issue with anger in those days. You, you, don't, you, you, you don't, no, not me. One day my pastor says to me, Jose, I want you to come with me to a conference. Ooh, a conference. Where are we going? He says, it's a prophetic conference. Wow, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm a little busy. No, 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 no. I really feel that you need to go with me on this one. I need you to do whatever you got to do, but I want you to come with me. I really feel that, that God has something special for you. And for me, it wasn't that I doubt it in prophecy. It's just that I've seen a lot of abuse. And my, my approach has always been, God, if you need to speak to me, Lord, show me in your word. I don't reject the prophet, but when a prophet comes and says something, I go back to the word. Teach you something about prophecy. When a prophet speaks to you, he's not telling you something you didn't know. He's confirming something that God's already shown you. So we go there, and I'm just laying back in the cut, you know. I'm just being the good Christian. You know you know, good Christian looks like? Know what I'm talking about? Hands up in position, deep with God. And what I was doing was hiding. I was hiding. And I'm just laying back in my pastor system. Come on, Jose, let's go up there. And I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. He goes, no, 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 come on, let's go. So I went in submission to my pastor, and I walk up there, and he's talking to my pastor and all this stuff. And then the guy comes to me, and he looks me square in the face, in the eyes. He says this to me, pastor, 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 pastor. You know what I said in my head? This guy's a granola bar. He's fruity, flaky, and nutty. But I left that moment reflecting on something. Lord. Is this really what you got for me? Because I've heard this, and, but, but Lord, I need you to show me in your word. A year later, praying about this, thinking about this, I'm sitting on a train, and Isaiah chapter 6 jumps out to me. 
Maybe some of you have read it, but I understood. I, I knew what God was saying to me. He says, man, there's a place, there's a people, there's a work, there's something that needs to be done. And who can I send? And I remember when I read those words saying, as I was reading them, in response to God, I said, God, send me. And then all of a sudden, my understanding was open. But my reasoning was still getting in the way because I said, Lord, okay, I get it. You're calling me to the work of ministry. But Lord, until then, and in my mind it's 20 years later, until then, Lord, just help me grow. Four months later, God opens the door. And he places me in a way that was supernatural, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't ask for it. I didn't look for it. I didn't appoint myself. I didn't go seeking it. God opened the door. And I experienced a whole other level of ministry. And I have not stopped since. Since. Listen. Listen, listen. God's voice will never hurt you. It'll always help you. It'll always equip you. It'll always prepare you. And it'll always show you where you're going. And the last point, and I know I went over on time, so forgive me. God's voice inspires confidence towards himself. Hear what I'm saying. Joshua went forth in battle upon recognizing God's voice. But there came a point where it appeared that he couldn't do, he couldn't finish the job. Remember in verse 12, let me read it to you. So Joshua's in battle, right? And all this cool stuff's happening. Hail's coming down and the enemy's getting destroyed. And more people are dying from the hail, from what God is doing, than what they did with their swords, right? And they're chasing these people down to finish the job. And Joshua looks up and he sees that the sun is about to set and the moon is rising high. And he says, man, we're not going to be able to finish the job. But God, you said, go. And God, you said, we will utterly destroy them. God, you said that we would win this battle. And so, God, I need the sun to stop where it is. And I need the moon that's over Agilon over there. I need it to stop. I want you to see something. God will stop the entire world for you. But you know why Joshua was bold and dared to believe in such a big way? It was because Joshua had experience with God. In listening to his voice. Joshua tested everything that God told him. Joshua experienced the goodness of God. Joshua became familiar with the nature of God. Joshua saw the promise that, Lord, you've called us to a land of promise where everything overflows. It's like milk and honey that doesn't stop. The fruit is great. The blessings are tremendous. And we can't fail. He was so familiar with that. It was so loud in his heart. Joshua says, I know it seems impossible, but son, you got to stop. 
because God said that today we finish the job. Joshua approached God with confidence. But you know why? Because the voice of God had inspired confidence in him to always turn back to God. To God. The word of God will bless you and it'll teach you some things and it'll equip you for parenting and it'll help you in your marriage and it'll show you some things about your workplace and your attitude. But ultimately, the word of God is for one purpose. All this truth, all this stretching, all this growing, all this capacity building that God is affecting in you is for one purpose and one purpose only. To draw you to himself. To build confidence in you so that you can confidently approach him. Let's stand here today. Listen, I really believe, man, that right now at this moment that God is speaking to your heart. That God is saying, son, God is saying, daughter, you've limited what I want to do in your life. You haven't been listening to my voice. You've heard about me, but there's something still yet that I want to do through you, in you. I'm looking to expand your capacity. And it starts one experience, one response after another to what God is showing you in his word. I don't know about you, but I'll raise my hand to that one. God, do that in me. If that's you, go ahead right there, respond to God. God, do that in me. God, help me to continually grow in the recognition of your voice. God, use me. God, send me. But God, help me hear your voice because you're always speaking. Right here, right now, God is speaking to you. And it's all for your good. It's all for your good. And it's all for his glory. Father, today we just take a moment, just a still moment, to say, God, if that's you, God, I hear you. God, I hear you. God, I recognize the need to incline my heart, my ear, my mind, my understanding to your voice. You've always been speaking, God, but now, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. And as you listen to God, as you recognize his voice, the scripture says that you're equipped, that you prosper and succeed in all things. We say yes, Father. That's very possible someone here today or maybe online, you're listening. And what you hear today is that God is speaking directly to you. I submit to you that God's inviting you to know him. And Jesus put it this way, no one can come to the Father but by me. You know what he means by that? No one can come to the Father unless they understand God's master plan. That God saw mankind deficient and full of sin, and he said they can't pay the price, so I'll become a man and pay it for them so that they don't have to live in guilt, they don't have to be racked by shame, but they can come to me freely and approach me boldly and experience good success. If that's you and today you hear God speaking to you but you've never known him and you want to respond to God, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. Let's pray this with confidence. Let's join in faith. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the son of God. 
I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. And so today I accept your sacrifice. I declare you my Lord, my Savior and God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you. I'm following you. I'm hearing your voice. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what God is doing in the lives of people. Don't leave here without sharing that with someone. Now, Father, we thank you for all you've done. We heed your voice, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday.